What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Fam, today's episode is inspired by a beautiful man online who sends me really incredible messages frequently. And it's not from a place of validation or praise, but when he genuinely acknowledges me, it feels like, and I'm thinking of Avatar right now, but it really feels like someone looking me in the fucking eye and saying, I see you. I really see you. And it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm awesome. I'm praised online. It just feels like human to human. I'm connected with and I am seen for the work that I've done, for the work that I've been up to and everything that it took to get me to this now moment. And the impact that I am creating in the world for both me and for others to be able to do the same, to transcend the pain that I was once in, whether that be financial, relational, physical, emotional, facing off with the pain and shame of the herpes virus, facing off with the pain and shame of an eating disorder, facing off with the pain and shame of just living from a deep place of unworthiness and not feeling like there's a space in this world where you belong, where I belong. I have been through all of that fam and, you know, still transcending to create even deeper acceptance of myself and even more worthiness from within. I'm up to right now doing deep, deep work on underpinning my nervous system so that my desires really feel safe in my body and so that I don't just live from survival. Even though my life is beautiful, I also recognize that I have created a lot of my life based around a little girl really desiring to feel safe and this need to survive. Even my business has been transitioning, realizing that I created so much success, but also from a deep state of survival. So fam, with that said, this beautiful message received by me and had so many great questions about how I'm authentic, why I choose to be authentic, how I can speak so courageously, so vulnerably, and not doubt that other people will see me as smaller or look at my capabilities and talents as less in the face of my humanness. And I share with you exactly how I do that, why I do that, and really share my journey on an even deeper level. I know many of you have heard it many times and maybe some of you haven't, but as I share my journey with you, I would love for you to piece it apart and almost pull apart your own unique journey because we've all been on one. And a question that I often ask, frequently ask everyone that comes into my world is what are you avoiding? And if you could really look at those parts of you, whether you label them as dark or shameful or shadow or limiting or false, just looking at them and how can we bring them into the light so that we're no longer avoiding them and just making sure, you know, trauma is too much, too fast, too soon. And in that traumatic moment, there's a little boy, a little girl who's created some limiting beliefs about who she is and how she should show up in this world to create some amount of safety for herself, himself, to be able to be accepted. And those ineffective limiting beliefs might be running your life. And once I was able to look at what I was avoiding and address that and bring those limiting beliefs into the light and allow them to be spoken, allow them to be seen, I was able to create a deeper connection with myself and with others. And that's how I really did it. And today's episode really dives so deeply into all of that. It answers so many of his beautiful questions that he asked me. And I would really love for you to look at it as a massive permission slip 
to your own authentic expression, your own authentic truths being brought out into the light, being seen, being witnessed, and maybe a massive permission slip for you to find empowering community like the ones that I create. And True Transformation started this week. And oh my God, the connectivity of the women in these groups already. And it's only been two fucking days. And the reason that I do that for women is because my mentor did it for me. And that's where I found my best friends. In the finding of my best friends and these groups of like-minded people, I was able to be more me. Community is the most amazing currency ever. And I'm just going to stop because I know this is the intro and I know you can hear how fucking pumped I am. Make sure that you tune in, put your headphones in. I cannot wait to hear what you receive from dialing into today. If you love it, fam, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag me so I can get the fuck out of IG jail. And most importantly, so that I can connect with you. I hope you love listening to it just as much as I have loved recording it. Strap yourself in, fam. Let's fucking go. Fam, I received the most beautiful message to my Instagram from someone that I really respect, admire, and receive so much acknowledgement from. And it feels like not praise and validation, but a genuine, I fucking see you, Beck, when this person, this beautiful man acknowledges me. I want to read you the message and talk about it. It says, hey, Rockstar, one of the things I admire about you is your courage to be 100% raw, regardless of what others may think of you. So often fear creeps in, in the moment that a person is at their strongest point. This fear causes many people to retreat to their place of comfort. You've somehow figured out a way to speak to the voice of your limiting beliefs and keep it at bay. What is that called? How do you activate that? How do you maintain that? You're not only willing to speak your absolute truth in a world of judgmental fucks, I love that part, but you're also willing to be completely vulnerable. Coaches feel as though they must always appear to have it together out of the fear that others will doubt their talents and capabilities. I truly admire your courage. It's inspiring and it's medicine for those who are experiencing doubt. I will always support you and your mission. I'm glad to know you. Oh, such a great message and so many elements of that that we can talk about. You know, vulnerability is an interesting thing because something that was once vulnerable for me is no longer. The herpes conversation, fam, I have done so much work on it that I have transcended that. I have transmuted that. It is my personal power and it is not charged with anything, nor is it vulnerable nor is it vulnerable. Jake and I have been having really courageous conversations lately, vulnerable conversations, conversations that I don't show up to powerfully most of the time. In fact, the place that I am the most ineffective and probably the least vulnerable is in relationship. That's like my biggest edge. And things that were once vulnerable for me are no longer vulnerable now. But specifically, let's chat the Herbie's conversation. Whilst Jake and I are having the conversations that we've been having, I sometimes think, well, what if we're not together? Then what about the Herbie's conversation with every new person that I meet? I wonder what that would look like. I'm like, yeah, I don't give a shit. That would just be like, hey, I'm Beck Antonucci. I talk about fucking Herbie's on the internet. It's not a problem for me. Is it a problem for you? If it is a problem for you, that's going to be a problem for me. And this is not aligned. Totally transcended that. But what did I do to get to that place? I mean, I lived so much of my life 
from a state of deep, true lacking of my own internal self-worth, of fearing, sharing what was really going on for me. Like, let's rewind way before the herpes conversation was even present. The disordered eating conversation, I experienced so much shame around that. I had no idea where it had come from. I had no idea where it was birthed, where it was born. Had no idea where the seed of that trauma was ever planted had no idea that I was completely avoiding that rejected teenage girl that just really wanted to fit in. That's why I always ask people, what is it that you're avoiding? I remember these girls, the pain that that teenage girl went through, that five years of high school was honestly the most painful five years of my life. Being screamed at every single day, you're disgusting, you're rank. I would not get up at assembly. I was so studious. I was so smart. I was on every sport team so that I didn't have to sit by myself. And if I was to receive an award at assembly, I wouldn't get up on stage because I just knew a group of girls would torment me. What did that do? And I know I've told this story so many times, but it's so crystal clear. Like if you piece together my journey, you're like, fuck, look at all those pieces just fitting together. And If I can do that, you can do that with your own life. So what did that do? My parents always told me, be the bigger person. If you have nothing good to say, don't say it at all. That was my dad. That was my dad's voice. If you have nothing good to say, don't say it at all. Be the bigger person. Turn around and walk away. So what did teenage Beck do? Well, we are products of our primary caregivers. Why do you think I'm so fucking good at landing the plane fam? Why do you think that I'm such a fucking brilliant communicator? Do you know what my dad used to say? If you have nothing good to say, don't say it at all. So I'm just nailing landing the fucking plane because I'm here to say what's good and out there for what's not. But yes, products of our primary caregivers and as these girls, as these young teenage girls who also don't know any better are screaming, are tormenting me, are saying these awful things to me, I turn my back. And a 14-year-old girl walks away with your rank, you're disgusting, your rank, you're disgusting, being thrown at her like arrows in her back. And whilst I didn't believe it at the time, I had no tools to dismantle what they were saying. And so I started to think to myself, maybe I am all of these things. Maybe I am disgusting. Maybe I am rank. And that became my subconscious narrative. Maybe I am, maybe I am, maybe I am. Look at this small world of high school, which seems like the entire world. If I can't fit in here, where will I fit in? And maybe I have to become something other than what I am to fit in in this world because obviously the way that I am, there's something fundamentally flawed and wrong about me because if there was not that, then I would just fit in. And I went to a prestige or girls school and the girls who were popular, like the pinnacle of success in a private or girls school is popularity and beauty. So I thought to myself, well, maybe if I was wealthy or maybe if I was beautiful, I would just fit in. So of course that became my personal vendetta to become beautiful, to have an amount of wealth, to appear successful externally so that I could fit in, but not for the attainment of popularity, for the attainment of safety. So then I go about my life and I go through this disordered eating journey. And I know he said, 
What is that called? How do you activate that to give a voice to my limiting beliefs? You're not only willing to speak your absolute truth in a world of judgmental fucks, but you're also willing to be completely vulnerable. Well, trying to be something that I am not to fit in is not at all vulnerable. Like I said, the act attracts the act. The mask attracts the mask. The facade will speak to someone else's facade. So whilst I'm building my body, doing my squats, eating my broccoli, trying to look a certain way to fit in in a world of popularity, well, I wouldn't even call that a world of judgmental fucks. I would call that a world of people disconnected from their own truth. And therefore, they've put on a mask, they've put on a facade, they've put on an act to try and attain some amount of safety, security to fit in. It's a core human need to fucking belong. It's a core human need to belong. This comes back from our tribal days. You against saber-toothed tiger going to fucking get eaten. You in a tribe against saber-toothed tiger, you have a chance of survival. So literally, when we fear judgment, it's like our survival depends on it. We literally think that the mean comment on Instagram is as painful to the nervous system as the person a thousand years ago standing in front of saber-toothed tiger about to have head eaten and bitten off. Of course, you're not going to die, but a part of you (gasps) thinks that you are. We have a deep yearning for belonging, for community. That's okay. To want praise, want validation, to desire approval, to desire community and to fit in. There's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. But we think, generalization here, but we think being the truth of who we are is going to sabotage that. Some women really believe that if people were to know about their herpes virus, they would have no clients. Maybe they're professional women, executive women, CEO women have really high-profile clients as their clients and believe that if anyone was to know this truth about them, people would be disgusted. They'd be removed from the pack. Their virus doesn't match their social facade, the social imprint, who they say that they are, and it completely destroys in their mind their social identity. So they will never give a voice to this truth thinking that the socialites that they hang with will no longer choose them and they'll be rejected from the pack. So now they're no longer with the tribe, and it's this successful, beautiful, wealthy woman now out to face the saber-toothed tiger. And the saber-toothed tiger is the thoughts and fears of the herpes virus destroying her reputation. Wow. But how did I manage to challenge my limiting beliefs and be willing to choose myself in the face of fearing that the pack would reject me and it would be back against saber-toothed tiger, just so much pain trying to fit in, so much pain trying to fit in. The more that I tried to fit in with the pack, the more that I realized I'm disconnected from these people, the more disconnected I felt from these people. I remember being 21 and trying my first drug. I tried my first drug, ecstasy, on my 21st birthday. And I remember my two best girlfriends, I'd been dieting. They were like, you're an extremist. I'd been dieting, exercising. I'd go to nightclubs and set an alarm every two and a half hours to run back to my car to get out my chicken and broccoli because I had to eat every two and a half hours. My girlfriends had been partying, taking drugs, going to Melbourne, going to Revolver in Melbourne. They hadn't told me because I thought that I wouldn't like it. 
On my 21st birthday, we go out with them, some popular guys from the gym that I used to go to. And I end up hooking up with this guy who ends up becoming my boyfriend. And I try my first drug. Well, of course, ecstasy when you've never fucking tried ecstasy before feels amazing. And I was like, oh my God, I think I'm in love. I think I am in love with this man. And I also love that he was popular. I love that he had an amazing body. I love that he had this really cool group. Of course, my deep yearning for belonging. I had found a place where I fit in. And I also was on ecstasy and really just genuinely thought that I was in love. <laughs> and then what I found in the in-between of the weekends, like I couldn't wait to take drugs. I couldn't wait to take MDMA and cocaine and ecstasy again. I was like, can't wait for this feeling. And then I did it for about four weeks straight. And at the end of four weeks, I was like, I really don't like these people Monday to Friday. The people that I think that I really love Monday to Friday, I really actually don't like you. We have nothing in common. We don't connect at all. But on the weekend, I really fucking love you. And that was my first experience of like, oh, a deep disconnection from what everyone else is doing, but a willingness to sacrifice myself, my desires, my integrity, things that were in and not in alignment with me for the exchange of being accepted. And that dynamic has played out in so many spaces in my life where I have exchanged my integrity for acceptance. And underlying that is always a deep yearning for connection. I deeply desire connection. I just want to exchange time with someone. I want to exchange meaningful connection with someone. And the more that I identified that just pretending to be something to fit in, yes, I had company. I wasn't by myself on the weekend. I was invited places, but it never brought the fulfillment that I deeply, deeply, deeply yearned for. And honestly, fam, I feel like this is the path to authenticity. This is the path to speaking our truth courageously because, yes, there's so much fear there. I had so much shame around the disordered eating. To be able to say to you, I just restrict my food so much to the point that I eat myself into oblivion on the weekend, like the amount of food fam that I have eaten in my lifetime unconsciously, like Rebecca, age 20 to 22, like that boyfriend and the drugs and things, I don't really remember. I would have to really try to remember that time. I don't really have much memory. I feel like there is so much shame there. I remember one time dieting, 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 dieting. And then on the way to Inaloo Gym, I stop at this grocer and I buy the largest bag of Maltesers that I can find. And it's honestly like an 850 gram bag. I don't even know why I feel that they exist, but I just eat in the car park of the gym, this bag of Maltesers and feel so disgusted by myself and then try and get myself to work out. And I'm just so confused and conflicted by what I'm doing. I had no understanding of it. I would go to work in the morning and then on the way home from work, I would stop in an IGA buy bags and bags and bags of lollies and chocolate, eat them and just feel so disgusted and then just lie in bed disgusted with myself until I could get myself up to go back to work. I was a PT at the time. I'd do shift work. I would spend hundreds of dollars on healthy food a week only to then stop at the petrol station on the way home and gorge myself, not eat the food and just be so ashamed by the amount of money that I would spend on healthy food that would go down the drain and the amount of money that I would spend on unhealthy food that I would gorge myself in, that I wouldn't actually enjoy, that I'd feel compulsed to eat. 
And I had nowhere to share this. There was so much shame there, so much shame. And I realized eventually that was one of my greatest teachers. Disordered eating has been such a powerful part of my journey. And honestly, the hardest thing that I've ever overcome, so much harder than the herpes virus. The herpes virus felt all-consuming, but the herpes virus saved me from my disordered eating. The herpes virus, let me say it again, the herpes virus saved me from my disordered eating. Nothing could stop me from that. Even the boyfriend that I thought that I was going to marry that I love so much, like I was fucking infatuated and obsessed with this man. And granted, he was young and really did his best. Like one thing that I can really fucking acknowledge this man for is his willingness to try and help me with this. And he was actually, I would say, he was actually a massive part of me moving through disordered eating. He had a really big chat to me. I think we went on holiday somewhere and he sat me down and said, Beck, we're going to go away on holiday and we're just going to fuck this disordered eating out of the way. We're going to not be on a diet. We're not, not going to count anything. We're just going to be normal humans. And when we get home, we'll face off with whatever weight we've gained and just be healthy people. And that really changed a lot for me. But prior to that, when I was going through a really hard time with it, I think maybe he was one of the first people that I really shared this truth with around my eating disorder. And he used to try and put our relationship on the line. Like he was the first person I shared with truthfully about my bulimia. And he said to me, if you keep doing this, like if you do this again, I'm going to break up with you. But nothing, not even my love for him could stop me from doing what I was doing because I was on a self-destructive path and I just didn't understand it. But what I learned through that process was the more that I spoke about it, the freer I felt from it. Maybe not to begin with. Like to begin with, I was like, oh my God, this thing has been brought here. This thing has been brought here for me to help other women. And I remember writing a blog when I was maybe 22, 23. I would go through phases where I thought I'd conquered it. And I just, what I'd done is jumped on another diet that just seemed to be working for me temporarily. And I'd feel momentarily empowered. As soon as I was on track with my food and felt like I had control over it and I was receiving compliments from other people. I was like, I am the most empowered woman on the planet and I was put on this earth to help women with disordered eating and I'm going to share my truth and everyone's going to break free and I'd, I'd write my blog and I'd share it. And this blog went quite viral at the time when social media and sharing on authentically on social media wasn't really a thing. I shared this blog. I don't even know if I could ever find it somewhere. And it went quite viral and I don't even know what that means, but it got a lot of attention then for someone that hadn't received a lot of attention online. And all of a sudden, so many women started sharing with me in return, saying, me too, I do the same thing. Oh my God, you're so inspiring. I can't believe that you've given this a voice. And their response threw me straight back into my disordered eating spiral, which really showed me that I, A, wasn't resourced and B, wasn't equipped to hold women in this. It was a huge awareness for me. If I have not healed it, if I have not healed it, I cannot support women to break through and break free from it. I thought that I could. I was momentarily, temporarily empowered through a diet that I was doing, but I wasn't resourced, nor skilled, nor healed to support other women to move through it. So that was another awareness. And going back to the message, let's see what it said, just to re-anchor me back to what I'm talking about. You've somehow figured out a way to speak to the voice of your limiting beliefs and keep it at bay. I mean, there's a part of me, and I think we all know this analogy, fam, of the tiger and the shadow. 
there is a part of me or the lion in the shadow, there is a part of me that believes that I am the most brilliant, fucking profound, intelligent, tapped in, tuned in, just magnificent woman that exists. Sometimes I see myself and I'm like, fuck, I am so beautiful. I love my body. Fuck what I've overcome. Fuck what I deliver. After calls with my clients, I'm like, I was fucking channeling God in that moment. Holy fucking shit. And sometimes I'm just like, I am the most ineffective, wounded little girl that is an absolute shit show. How the fuck are you even helping humans? But but that part of me, I give a voice to. And and that part of me, I allow to be seen by other humans who I trust. So, for example, we've just started True Transformation. My support coach, her name is Tracy Callahan. And I really consider her to be one of the top three coaches that I have ever come across in my life. I'm very fortunate. She's one of my best friends. So I'm going to let you know the top three coaches who I believe to be the top three best coaches in the world. Preston Smiles, Miriam Brewer, Tracy Callahan. Preston Smiles is my mentor. Miriam Brewer is my spiritual teacher and friend. So fucking lucky. I don't even like the word blessed, but really I am. Tracy Callahan, my best friend. I met her in a personal development online course that Preston Smiles created, just like True Transformation. She triggered the absolute fucking shit out of me when we first met. I was like, this bitch, I'm going to kill her. She's so annoying. She's my best friend. Like literally, fam, I'm getting on a plane to Bali next week. She's in Bali right now. I'm getting on a plane to Bali next week to spend the weekend with her. I just fucking love this woman. I was going through something a week ago. I felt pain. I felt shame. I felt like a shit show. I felt incongruent. I felt like I couldn't understand what was really going on for me. And I knew, I know not everyone resonates with the herpes virus, but you have something that you relate to that created the same thoughts, feelings, and emotions that the herpes virus created for me. What the herpes virus did was it showed me what shame can do when it's hidden in the dark and suppressed. So anything that comes across my path now, I'm like, I just have to fucking give this a voice. I've got to give this a voice. I can't hide it. I can't pretend it's not here. It needs to be seen. It needs to be spoken. And maybe I'm not resourced or equipped or skilled to navigate myself through it, but I've got a fucking community who is. I know that I can ask for support, even if it's just being seen and witnessed and held in this. And so I call Tracy and I let her know what's going on for me. And through me being witnessed, it dissipates the shame. Once it's spoken, it no longer has power over me. And I can see it for what it is. And sometimes Jake isn't the person to help me through it, especially if it's about Jake. Like the most ineffective place that I show up for is in my relationship. I'm so aware of that. Sometimes I am a little wounded girl screaming, crying, projecting, and having a tantrum. And then afterwards, I think to myself, how can I be such an incredible leader and communicator? And Jake is literally, Jake is the most courageous person I know. And he will put his hands on my shoulders and be like, come on, bring me your woman. Let's have a courageous conversation about that. What are your needs? What do you need? Be vulnerable. And there's a part of me that's like, let's just have a tantrum and project at him. I think two weeks ago, I I went into like psycho girlfriend mode of like 30 text messages of you don't support me. You don't support me to be in my pleasure. You don't this, you don't that. This is all your fault. Like literally like 35 rapid fire texts from psycho girlfriend Beck. 
You know, Jake responds, you don't support yourself to be in your pleasure. You work all the time. You don't drop into your feminine. I'm willing to co-create, co-facilitate this fucking pleasure that you say that you desire to live from, but you're not helping yourself do that. So yeah, spitfire some fucking beck at me, but you're the one that's mad at yourself. And the reason that I say that, fam, is I'm honest about that. And I know that a part of that message said that the world is full of judgmental fucks. The world is full of humans who are wearing their mask, feeling like who they are underneath isn't okay. But what I have learned through doing this work is, what did Preston say the other day? What is most personal is most universal. So yes, sometimes when I'm absolutely fucking triggered and outside of my window of tolerance, (laughs) gone from here to here, and all my relationship wounds are flying to the surface and I'm mad and frustrated and mad at me and mad at Jake and mad at the part of me that can't communicate effectively and mad at the part of me that feels like her desires are not being met and mad and mad and mad and mad and mad. Sometimes I act like psycho girlfriend and rapid fire 30 abusive text messages to my boyfriend. And then afterwards we have a conversation about it. Was it effective? No. Have I done it sometimes? Yes. Is that something I'm ashamed of? No. Am I human? Yes. Can I support other humans to be more effective? Absolutely. Why? Because I'm emotionally unattached to your life. You want to know something? I do not sign up friends to my coaching business. I know that coaches can be like, yeah, you can sign up your friends and this and this and that. I don't. I don't. I am a no to working with my really, really close friends. Do you want to know why? because I'm emotionally attached to your life. When I am with my client, I am tapped in. (laughs) I really truly believe that God channels through me. I am the least Beck. And when I say Beck, I mean like Beck in her personality, Beck in her human. I am my higher self. Rebecca is my higher self. I am tuned in, tapped in. That session means absolutely nothing about me. And I am there for the highest good of that client. God is right there in me, ready to fucking go. Honestly, it is the most beautiful gift that I was born with and I'm so grateful for it. And the reason that I am not that with my friends or I'm not willing to be that with my friends is because when you're emotionally attached, when I'm emotionally attached, there's a part of me that wants to kind of like guide the life. And what that could look like is if you've got a girlfriend who's got a shitty boyfriend, you're like, fucking break up with that twat. He is a dickhead. When you're a coach and the client has a shitty boyfriend, an abusive boyfriend, a toxic boyfriend. I'm not here to tell you to break the fuck up with someone. It's not my life. I am here to support you to connect with your deep inner truth so that you can hear what you most desire and what is true for you and empower you to take aligned action from that place. I'm not here to be like, break up with your boyfriend. That's not coaching. That's telling someone how to live their life. I'm not steering your fucking ship. I'm not driving your car. That's not the role of the coach. The role of the coach is to reflect. I can be like, would you like some feedback? And my feedback might be, I feel like you know, and there's a part of you that really knows that this relationship is not for you and you're scared to leave, and that's okay. I really don't believe the coach's role is to be like, break up with your shitty boyfriend. Not my role. However, in relationship with girlfriends, I might be like, he's a dickhead and you really should break up with him. And that's why I can be so powerful as a coach and so ineffective as a person sometimes because I'm a fucking human and I'm really emotionally attached to my life. It's my life. And so going back to his text just once more so I can really make sure that I've answered everything. Coaches feel as though they must always appear to have it together out of fear that others will doubt their talents and capabilities. I believe that you 
this person who wrote this is doubting their own talent and capability because I have coached a lot of coaches. I actually was one of the coaches in Preston's program supporting coaches to create cash flow, clarity and clients in their coaching businesses. And what I recognized is that not all coaches believe in their skill set and their capabilities. I believe that God hand wrote this <laughs> curriculum on my soul and I was born with it. Some fucking shit comes through me that I'm like, how do you even know how to say that? I'm like, that is just God. Yes, I have studied for over 10 years. Yes, I invest in myself and my learning and my growth and my education every year. And some shit was just naturally fucking given to me. I have desired to be an entrepreneur since I was 19. I have always been reading. I have always been learning. I have always been investing. And some of it is deeply intuitive as well. I 150 million percent believe in my talent and my capabilities. So I don't believe that my vulnerability sabotages that in the least. What that does is create resonance with other people to say, I'm a human. I see me in all of my humanness. Sometimes I witness myself as a third party and be like, look at Beck being really fucking ineffective in her life. What a dickhead. But look, <laughs> that's Beck being Beck. Beck is fully in her human right now. And then sometimes I can be like, look at Beck, really leaning into her courageous edge. I'm a human. I get to witness myself. But I have no doubt that my humanness takes away from my ability and capability. In fact, I laugh all the time at Jake is like, you have the biggest ego I have ever met in my whole entire life. And it's funny, I was at sexy dance class two nights ago and fuck, the dance class at SAS Movement is so hot and we're like doing the thing and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sexy, yeah. (laughs) And afterwards I'm like, people pay me money, put me on a stage, make me a backup dancer, someone fucking pay me, I'm so hot. And it probably doesn't look at all the way that it feels. And I was laughing. I was like, this is why God didn't make me good at any one thing except helping people. Like if I was a gymnast and could bat flip and do all this cool shit, or if I could dance like fucking the backup dancers for Beyonce, I would literally stop. I made this joke at dance class. I would stop at the petrol station as I'm paying for my fuel and be like, everyone, stop for a moment. I've got a performance (laughs) to put on. Look at me. And I honestly believe that I am not that great at very much, except for coaching. I've got a massive ego. And the one thing that God did was give me fucking herpes <laughs> and make me good at coaching, make me good at helping people. I think it's the funniest thing. And I honestly think it was put here to humble me because when I'm good at something, I'm like, stop, everyone, stop, 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 stop. Watch me. It's like my inner child is like, give me attention. <laughs> Look how awesome I am. And I cracked myself up laughing at that. But yeah, I think God gave me this. God gave me herpes and God made me only really very, very good at helping people to humble my big fuck off egotistical ego. So um, yeah, that's my answer to this man. The person who is fearing the doubt of their capabilities and their talents is only yourself, is only yourself, is only yourself. I have learned that the expression of my human creates deep and meaningful connection. I have learned that the expression of what my human goes through, the things that I find most painful and most shameful, creates deep connection, meaningful connections with others. And I have found through the true expression of my authenticity, which is coming online more and more and more and more, like right now, I'm desiring a deeper connection with myself. 
I am desiring a deeper connection with my woman. I am desiring to live from my pure pleasure and honor my desires and create true safety, underpinning my nervous system to create true safety for my desires to be here and for me to live from that place. I know how to live powerfully from survival. And I built a life based upon that. And I've gotten to a point where I'm like, it's great. It's produced some amount of result and it's not fully working for me. It's not fully working for my relationship. It's not fully working for my business. It's gotten me some results in all of those spaces. And it's also not me living from my pleasure, my joy and my desires. So some serious shit is being dusted up in my world. It's confronting. It's triggering. It's painful. Jake and I are having really courageous, painful conversations where we both end up in tears frequently. And yeah, lots is happening right now. But if I am medicine for you, if you say that this is what the end of this message says, it's inspiring and medicine for those who are experiencing doubt. I'll always support you on your mission. Number one, what you see in me exists within you. Number two, the support that you're so willing to give me shows me that you're so willing to give that to yourself too. There's just some fears that we get to look at and address. And number three, how did I activate that and how did I maintain that? Community, community, community. Once I got into Preston Smiles' world and realized how much my life dramatically changed for the better and how much having support from like-minded community members really allows me to thrive, plus allows me to be seen in all of my shit show and allows me to transcend the shit show because then I don't shame it because it's been witnessed and brought to the light. The more that I realize me, the fullness of me, the brilliant, absolute fucking God's gift version of Rebecca, she exists and the shit show is here as well. I get to accept that both of them is, is one true and one false? Who knows? I actually don't think the false self really is that false. I just feel that the false self sometimes has a louder voice than the true self. And at one stage, the false self maybe spoke 100% of the time and then 90% of the time and then 80. And maybe right now it's a 60-40 shift. The 40% is still there. But the 60%, when she's on, she's creating some fucking result. So what, do we get her down to 30 and then 70 and then 25 and 75? Do I think she ever goes? Well, I'm not here to be enlightened. <laughs> I don't want to transcend the human experience. I quite like this place. So that's my guidance for you. What you see within me exists within you. And if you can see me as brilliant, then that brilliance is available for you as well. If you don't judge me for the thing that exists within you, then it shows me that acceptance is possible. You just have a story about it. And the judgmental fucks that you speak of, they're just humans with their masks on. And maybe they're in their lifetime, they're not meant to be emotionally intelligent or they're not meant to resonate at your level of resonance. They're not meant to vibrate on the frequency in which you exist on. Like sometimes, and I, this could be a massive projection, but I think, I reckon all my ex-boyfriends think I'm fucking nuts. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think that we ever spoke the same language. Like I'm not meant to live on the frequency in which they exist. Does it make them bad or wrong? Not at all. All beautiful people. 
come here and and inflicted a little bit of pain on me and vice versa. I'm pretty fucking sure me on them. That's my karmic debt to carry. I just get to be like, do I want everyone to like me? My personality? Absolutely. I love being validated. I love being praised. I love being acknowledged. I love being celebrated. I say this all the time. Love getting my own way. Just kind of wish that everyone was mind readers and they could give me what the fuck when I want it all the time without even me needing to ask. And that's my human. And my soul's like, yeah, bitch, that's not possible, not realistic. And if you want to live from that come from, you're going to create a lot of pain for yourself in your life and for everyone else around you as well. So community, giving a voice to what you fear, being seen in front of others and looking at people that you really seek inspiration from and realizing that they are, I am simply a mirror back to what already exists within you. We just get to peel and strip away some layers for that expression of you to come through. He, she already exists. You're not on a self-development journey. You're not on a self-improvement journey. You're not on a any kind of becoming more than what you are journey. You're on your own revealing journey, peeling back the layers to create your own internal safety so the most expressed, authentic, courageous you can come through. He, she doesn't feel safe to yet. Doesn't mean that he, she doesn't exist within. What you see in me is available within you. Fam, I hope you enjoyed today's episode just as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you loved it, screenshot it, share it to your story, tag me so I can get the fuck out of IG jail and so that I can connect with you. You're all amazing. I love, love, love hearing everything that you receive from my podcast. Thank you for being a part of this community. I'll see you next week, fam. Let's fucking go. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.